Welcome to Safer Retirement Radio, where you get the transparency you deserve. I'm Clayton Bradshaw, one of the advisors here at Decker Retirement Planning. With me is your host, the owner and founder of Decker Retirement Planning, Brian J. Decker. He's been in the industry for over 35 years. He is the author of The Decker Approach, A Common Sense Approach to Retirement Planning. Um, So let's kick it off, Brian. Welcome. Excited to be here. Let's kick things off. Yep. it's been as we as we kind of welcome in the new year. We've got some exciting things on the horizon this year. We're we're excited with kind of where where things are going to go. And we're going to pride ourselves on these um, radio broadcasts of keeping high level content, sophisticated level content on the stock market, on money management, on um, the Fed, on U.S. debt levels, on market valuation, uh, on stock market. Um, options on different ways that people invest their money and the pros and cons of that. We're going to cover tons of information. So um, we're excited to be here. Shai started off with uh, how 2020 was so different for the different indexes in the market. I yeah, think- re- yeah, real quick, before we jump into that, I do want to just kind of lay out what we're going to be covering in today's show specifically. We are okay. going to start off talking about some of the market info and, and where the stock market is and where we think it it may or may not be going. We're also going to be talking about the headwinds that retirees face in retirement planning. As, as retirement planners, that's specifically what we we do. We like to keep a pulse on the industry, but we also understand the the issues that a lot of retirees are facing today. So we want to talk about that. And then we will be talking about some... On those headwinds, I just want to say specifically why it's more difficult to retire today than in our opinion the last hundred plus years. We'll go into that. Yeah. And then we'll also talk about what uh, what some options or solutions are for those that are considering retirement right now. So Brian, why don't you kick us off? You mentioned the indices and kind of where we're at. Yeah. So for 2020, I found it interesting that the Dow Jones was up about 6%, S&P 15, and the NASDAQ 45 that's it's unbelievable that the Nasdaq outpaced everything. It will outpace the S and P three X. Well, not when COVID. When you think about how COVID shut down so much of the manufacturing, heavy industry, trade, export, uh, import type of companies, but not the what exploded was anything that was service oriented, um, anything that was web based. It exploded. Companies like DocuSign, Zoom, Costco. Um, the big one, the biggest one is Amazon. Anything that had delivery, because uh, our lives changed in 2020 with right. COVID. Yep. So that's reflected in the different indexes. It'll be interesting to see if that uh, continues. Now, what tanked when COVID came out and they started doing state shutdowns is the small caps. Do you realize that the small cap companies, uh, they they make up about two thirds of our GDP, two thirds. So I was happy to see that small caps came back in the fourth quarter, they were up 18%. Our portfolios, and we'll talk about this um, more, but our, our accounts, and we're gonna talk about how we are so different in our approach for a retirement account. When you're in your 20s, 30s, and 40s, you can buy 
and uh, you've got your paycheck coming in and you you put your money into the 401k every couple of weeks. It doesn't matter if the market drops, it's, right? It's kind of a, a set it and forget it approach to right. you just kind of put it in the accounts and your dollar cost averaging the funds in every two yeah. weeks or every month. And then you look at it every one, maybe once a year, every couple of years to see how it's doing. But you yeah. don't sweat these massive drops because you've got so much time left before retirement. The approach is so different when you retire and you're not having those paychecks coming in because you have an 08 in your 40s, no big deal. You write it out, your paychecks keep coming in. You have a 2008, a 50% drop in your portfolio that you're living on, that's a life changer. And we saw what happened. Um, A lot of gray haired people showed up fast food and retail and Walmart and uh, banks, and it was a big life-changing experience. So anyhow, our approach in the stock market that we will talk about, I don't know if we'll get to it today, but we use computer trend-following models um, where the trend of the market, if it's higher, we're long the market, we make money as the markets go up. But if the trend of the market is down, these computer models will take... um, take action and either go to cash or buy inverse funds that allow our clients to make money as the markets go down. I'm briefly describing this because last year uh, we were up about a little over 30% for our clients for calendar year 2020. Um, We help our clients that aren't yet retired with their 401k selections. We're fiduciaries to our clients. We should probably talk about how important a fiduciary is. Yeah. So I'll, I'll touch on that just real quick. So whenever dealing with and and I hope that our listeners are thinking about this and they're they're ready to ask their advisor this question because when dealing with a fiduciary, you can ask somebody if they're a fiduciary and they'll probably be like, oh yeah, sure, I want to help you out. But there's really three ways you can know if they they are required to have your best interest. And in, this is important in mind. And so there's three checks that you can ask your advisor right now if they are a fiduciary. So first off, are they, what's their, what's their financial license? So the one that they should have to maintain their fiduciary status is a series 65 license. Now there's a lot of common licenses out there. One of the other ones that's quite common is the series seven, but the series seven allows them to make a securities commission, which their motivation is going to be different than yours a lot of cases because they're going to want you to to buy things that may not be in your best interest. So the first question you need to ask your advisor, are they series 65? <laughs> if yes, that's check one. Yes, they, they passed the first test. The second one is, are they independent? And this is important because if you walk into your advisor that is linked up with one of the major um, banks or brokerage firms, they're going to be told what they should be selling to you. Um, and so you want to be cautious about that. If So that's the next check is, are they independent? If they're not, if they're linked up with one of the major, um, the major banks or brokerage firms, then they're going to be pushing products that they're told to sell to you. Um, and then finally, the third one is, are they an RIA? Or in other words, are they a registered investment advisory? Is that the structure of their firm? And if they, if they can't answer yes to these three questions, then chances are they're not acting as a fiduciary. They're not acting in your best interest. Um, and if you, want more question, if you want more information about that or want to know how you can learn more about each of those different licenses, feel free, give us a call. 
Our number is 833-707-3030. That's the best number to get in contact with us if you want to schedule an appointment or if you have any questions for us. Again, 833-707-3030 is that number. So talked about fiduciary. Sorry to jump in there, Brian. Why don't you you continue on with what... No, uh, that's really, really important. And we we always, in, in covering the fiduciary topic we warn people against the high commission products like variable annuities. We don't recommend that to everyone. We want to be on the radio warning people to stay away from something that charges you five, six, seven percent commission right up front. The broker makes money every year you own it. The insurance company makes money every year you own it. And the the mutual fund companies make, make money every year you own it. Three layers of fees that usually add up to four to five, 6% per year. And there's no downside protection. So every year you start down four or 5%. That's where you start because of all the fees. So we wanna warn people against owning a variable annuity. We hope you don't. And we wanna, do you wanna talk about C-share mutual funds? Yeah, so with C-share mutual funds, that is going to be something that when you buy into the mutual fund and they sell you out your position, they're going to take that fee off the back end of that. And so they're hiding these underlying fees in these mutual funds. They're going to tell you, oh yeah, this is great, but then they're making a killing on the back end. They double your fees without telling you. Right. And so C-share mutual funds, I mean, I my understanding is there's a couple of the major um, brokerage firms that won't even allow C-share mutual Correct. funds to come in under their management because they are such a terrible investment for a lot of folks. Right. And then non-traded REITs, we want to warn you, those are the superlative intended, the highest commission products out there for most banks and brokerage firms, usually 12 to 14 percent right off the top of your money comes goes to the broker bank uh, and the the uh, the rep by recommending something that is not liquid for four or five plus years typically and real estate has just become not so safe anymore look at what's happened to commercial real estate look at what amazon is doing to retail look at what covid's doing to shopping malls i mean it has decimated our lives have changed in the last uh 12 plus months right because you hear that retail reit or not retail residential real estate is doing well house inventory is at a a near an all-time low but commercial everyone's going virtual they're yep. all they're all going home and they're working out of their home offices and so that's why commercial is is uh, is really struggling which is why a lot of a lot of REITs are are not performing well and then you're stuck with them for a number of years right and then look at um, uh, rental real estate used to be the safest haven for real estate generally speaking because in 2008 when the markets got pounded and people lost their homes there was more of a demand demand increased for rental. Uh, real estate. And so rental prices actually went up during 2008. But ask someone who owns rentals in California how their income's going, because they have special laws now that protect people who are renters from having to pay their rent. So with that, uh, with that law, people who own rentals in California haven't seen much rental income in the last year. Right. Well, not only that, too, it, they've had rent control in California for a long time, which is which you can't increase your rents 
um, annually or every few years when you get a, when when you've got a cost of living increase and things like that. So as, as we kind of wrap up this conversation on fiduciaries, I do want to talk a little bit about a just a quick analogy I think helps sum everything up. Um, I saw this analogy once and I think it's pretty fitting for the conversation that when you're dealing with a fiduciary versus someone on the brokerage side or somebody at a, at a, at a major bank, it's kind of like working with a, a dietitian or a, a butcher. If you walk into a butcher shop and ask them what kind of cut of meat you have, they're going to tell you, well, this, this sirloin is going to be the best cut or this filet, and they're going to try to sell you a cut of meat, but that might not be in your best interest. What if you've got high cholesterol? What if, um, I don't know, meat's not good, meat's not healthy for you. Um, when you meet with a dietitian, they're going to look at you, they're going to take all of your labs, and they're going to tell you what's best for you, even if it's not the best for the dietitian, because they have your best interest at heart. So that's think, a good analogy. Think about that as you talk to your advisor that if they're acting as a as a butcher, they're just going to try to sell you whatever cut of meat they can. But if you're dealing with a fiduciary with a dietitian, they're going to recommend what's going to be best for your, as we put it, financial health. Yep. Okay, continuing on with the markets, it's interesting. Um, Warren Buffett, one of my favorite quotes says, it's when the tide goes out that you can see who's swimming naked. So, and there's another great quote, don't confuse genius with a bull market. Uh, and another one, a rising tide lifts all boats. I mean, all three of those are saying the same thing. What works in an up market means that it doesn't take much skill as a matter of fact, I'll never forget in the late 90s, they had on CNBC monkeys throwing darts at the Wall Street Journal. Did you hear about this? Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> and they were outperforming the pros that were seasoned veterans because when markets are going up, it doesn't matter. I mean, everything is going higher. But what's important, especially when you're retired, you don't get a do over. When you take that last paycheck, you've got to have strategies in place where whatever risk level that you're going to take, and that's another topic that we'll cover, how much money should you have at risk? It's a math-based solution. But of, that, of those funds that you should have at risk, that risk can be shrunk by deciding you, how, what strategy to use. So when the markets went down last year, Clayton, um, in February and March, when in five weeks, the markets lost 32%. There's never been a time in the history of our stock markets that lost 30 plus percent in such a short period. That's never happened. That happened February and March of last year. Our risk accounts were up 8% when the markets were down 32. That, that is how we handle, that's how we handle risk. Um, so in if history repeats, once we get to this level of market valuation, which is we're over 32 times earnings in this market right now, that valuation is higher than 1929, than 1999. In the previous, in the history of our U.S. stock markets, when we've gotten to this level, there's never been a 10-year period from today where the stock markets have made money. So I hope that you have a strategy in mind for your risk money that allows you to make money even if the markets don't go higher. Buy and hold won't work. The Warren Buffett method of buying good quality companies and holding on isn't going to work in the next 10 years if history repeats. Um, I want to see... Uh, 
I want to throw out a couple of tidbits of info in this first market segment. Do we have a few minutes left or are we ready to close it up? Um, no, we've got a few minutes to talk a little bit more as we're still talking about kind of marketed and index performance. Um, we'll move on here in just a few minutes to what kind of the, the issues, the major issues that are that are facing retirees. Okay. What has been a tailwind to the markets are three things. One is earnings. However, S&P earnings that used to be a tailwind has disengaged from the stock market and earnings have peaked two years ago and are not currently supporting the markets. Interest rates is another tailwind that has been um, producing higher gains for the markets, but now the 10-year treasuries below 1% and it doesn't have much farther to go before it hits zero. And the third is the Fed. The Fed has been pumping money uh, through quantitative easing into the markets. So we'll see. But right now we have uh, an all-time record historical high for the Fed's balance sheet. So we'll see if uh, how much they're willing to pump in. And even investors, they have a record amount, $722 billion in borrowed margin. That's through November. And that comes from a FINRA number. That's a new record. So people are so, so, all in on the stock market. So let's explain a little bit more about what that means when they're they're what seven hundred and twenty-two billion is that what you said? Yeah, that's in, the number in margin. So yep. that's seven hundred and twenty-two billion dollars in debt that people are trading with. Like if you have a hundred thousand dollar portfolio and you put all of that in the market. Now you want fifty percent more, so you borrow another fifty. So your hundred is 1.5x leverage and you've got 150,000 that's invested uh, and so if the markets go up oh that's great but if the markets go down you you don't lose 1% you lose 1.5% right and it's so i i saw this thing um, it's probably been a few months ago now and i know that robinhood that that investing company that they basically have turned it almost seems like they've turned investing into a like a just a smartphone app, just a game where oh yeah, I'll just throw some money in there and they've made it easy for new investors to get access to these borrowed funds and in a lot of cases they can't support paying that back. Um and so it's been kind of interesting, but I watched a guy who he there was there was some some way that he had did it where he he margined his account and he got $2000 in credit extended to him to invest with it <coughs> but there was a way that Robinhood allowed him to lever on that that margin and he levered up I think it was 25 times so now that 2000 oh I saw that was was moving um at 25 times the uh the rate of the market and he he put some investments in on I don't know some tech stock and it went the wrong wrong direction. So in about thirty seconds he lost fifty thousand um, dollars because of the way he was invested. And so margin investing, if it goes the right like you said, the rising tide raises all boats. If it goes in the right direction, it's great because you make multiples of what your original investment was and what the gain is. But if it goes the wrong direction. It goes, you lose that much and multiples of, of the market direction. Right. Okay. Let me close this segment out with an interesting point on the Fed. The Fed in the past through quantitative easing, by the way, the markets have typically rolled every seven or eight years. So 2008 was a 50% drop. Seven years before that was 2001. That was the middle of a three-year 50% drop. Seven years before that was 1994. That was um, a 
time when the markets really struggled. That was uh, shortly around the time that Iraq invaded Kuwait and things like that. Yeah. Seven years before that was 1987, Black Monday, October 19th, 20% drop in a day, 30% peak to trough. Seven years before that was 1980. 80 to 82 was a 40 plus percent drop. Seven years before that was... Uh, 73, 74 bear market, and it keeps going, uh, 63, 64. It keeps going. Every seven or eight years, the markets have been hit and hammered until 2008, something changed. And something did change. The Fed started using quantitative easing where they would buy open market mortgage-backed bonds and those funds would go into the markets. And it has been like taking a patient and pumping them with adrenaline. It's a Keynesian tactic to um, spur the market and get it out of a, a bad trough and get it back on track. However, they keep pumping the market with adrenaline. They keep pumping the patient. And so now that mortgage-backed bonds are mostly purchased, guess what they're going to start to do now? This comes from uh, Boston Fed President Aaron Rosengren said during a speech on Friday, uh, so this that, was a couple of weeks ago that he said this. Yeah. Right. Uh, the question, not in these exact words, was what could the central bank do after emptying the medicine out of the interest rate cutting U.S. Treasury buying hypodermic needle? And Rosengren said, quote, this is unbelievable to me, quote, we should allow the central bank to purchase a broader range of securities or assets. The NASDAQ had a huge year in 2020, one of the few times since 1926. And a lot of that was because the expectation that the Fed is going to start buying stocks. There's just in my mind, there are so many warning bells that go off when I hear that, <laughs> that it just it makes me cringe to even think that they would start pumping money into the stock market to try to salvage something. I mean, that's okay. We've just Wait. pumped you full of adrenaline. Now let's give you the electric shockers. Did you know the Swiss have been doing this for five years now? How's it been working out? They're a hedge fund. Oh, markets are going up. So they're good. The Swiss central bank is a hedge fund now. Oh man, that makes me, that makes me nervous. So let's close this segment on yeah. that point. Um, gosh, I've got stacks of information that we didn't get to, but every week we'll start in this first segment and cover current market information. Okay, so we want to talk, so we've got a few more minutes here. We want to talk about, um, before we head to a break, we're going to talk about the headwinds that retirees are facing right now. So right now is one of the hardest times to retire in the last 50 plus years. I would say the hardest ever. And we'll talk about why. So there's there's three reasons. So number one, we've got longevity. Then we've got uh, interest rates and stock valuation. So let's start by talking on longevity. So so right now we know that people are I don't know if people are getting healthier, but people are living longer, right? Do you know 150 years ago, the it was the age was 40. It was like 40 or something. It w wasn't very old, right? And so, and so you look, so a lot of people try to target their early to mid sixties for their retirement date. That's usually when they decide, Hey, I've, I've worked long enough. I've got enough. And that's kind of been the age. Social security kicks in about then, um, Medicare. And so there's a few reasons why the, your sixties is kind of a common retirement age. And for people that are passing away in their seventies, it's that's five to 10 years that you've got to survive, maybe 15 at, at most. But now People are living well into their 80s and beyond. 
And that's making it quite challenging for a lot of people to, to have your money last that long. Yeah. They run out of money in a lot of cases. For the first time ever, we have generations that are going to be living longer in retirement than they did in years worked because of fantastic breakthroughs in medicine and therapies that keep people alive longer. Sure. So more uh, mortality or living longer, longevity is a good and bad thing, number one. Number two is low interest rates. Interest rates on the 10-year treasury are down to 0.7 right now, 0.7, 0.7 on a 10-year treasury. A 10-year CD is about 1% right now. And over the last 12 months, we've seen historic low interest rates, right? That we're in a period where interest rates have never been this low in recorded history. Never. Abraham Lincoln got 4.5% on a 10-year CD. Right. And so that, that being the case, you think about that, that in the 80s, in the 80s was kind of the other direction. It was a really high interest rate time period. But in the, in the 80s, the 90s, you could put fun. I mean, even 15 years ago, you could put money into a CD and you'd get 7% on a 10-year CD. You'd get 5% on a five-year CD. But now you go put it in at 1% and that's not even keeping up with inflation. Correct. So low interest rates are a fantastic idea when it comes to your mortgage. Low interest rates is a killer when it comes to your investments. Because if you have a 60-40 blend where 60% of your assets are at risk, which by the way, we highly don't recommend. Right. Um, our clients usually have 25, about 25% of their money at risk. Um, 75% not at risk. And when but you say it, at risk, you're just meaning accounts that can lose value versus accounts that can't lose value. Right. They're in the stock market. Right. Um, so if you have a 40-60 portfolio traditional and 40% of your money is making less than 1%, that is a killer in retirement, especially when you have to have that money live last longer because of longevity. Um, so that's the second killer Low interest rates are a tax on the retirees, and there's two parts to interest rates. One is manipulated by the Fed. It's the, um, the Fed market rate. They, they decide what rate to put um, for the Fed open market rate. But the second rate is not controlled. It's, free. it's a free market rate. It floats, and it depends on the risk of that country's treasuries or that company's uh, corporate bond or that agency's debt or whatever, the, the interest rate will, will be a, a determination of how much risk. For example, do you remember a few years ago, Greece got into big trouble and their 10-year treasury went to 40%? Yeah, that's, I mean, you're just gambling and rolling the dice at that point when you're buying something like that. Right. And um, by the way, you can get a very good rate with the 10-year treasury of Venezuela. Do you know you can get like, I think more than 40% if you buy Venezuelan debt. Right. The point is the expectation that you'll ever see a dime of that money come back is reflected by the interest rate. So right now we have low interest rates. The canary in the coal mine for any, comp or any country is when the rates start to spike the expectation that people will ever see their money come back 
um, is is very small. So, the, so Brian, I'm going to jump in here. Okay. So we're almost out of time. Um, for anybody, we're going to come back and we're going to finish this third point, which is stock valuations. But for anybody that wants to get a hold of us, give us a call. Our number, 833-707-3030. Again, 833-707-3030. We'd love to hear what you think about the show. If you want to talk to us a little bit more about how these, how these topics are affecting your portfolio, We'd love to hear from you. Give us a call again, 833-707-3030. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back in a few minutes to finish talking about stock valuations and kind of some solutions um, for retirees that are heading into retirement right now. Welcome back to Safer Retirement Radio, where you get the transparency you deserve. I'm Clayton Bradshaw, one of the advisors here at Decker Retirement Planning. With me is your host, Brian J. Decker. Um, Brian, in the last segment, we talked about where the market was. Um we talked about why it's so difficult for retirees, why now is one of the most difficult times for retirees to retire. We covered two of the three things. Right. So we, we've got the last point. So we covered the previous two, longevity and rates. So we talked about how retirees are living longer, which is they're having to stretch their funds farther, which is making or further, which is making it challenging for them to to pay for the things they want to and need to in retirement. We also talked about historic low interest rates, which is making it challenging to find a safe haven for funds in retirement for income. Because um, we know for somebody who's still working, the common pattern is you save your money in your 401k right now or your IRAs, whatever accounts you've got, uh, your retirement accounts. You take your paycheck from your employer. So you've got income, you've got savings, and then you should have some emergency cash on, on the side. That's kind of the... If you're in your 20s, 30s, and 40s, that's the approach. But there's a there's a shift, a paradigm shift when you head into retirement plan or into retirement that that income from your employer goes away, and you've got to you've got to start paying yourself because you can't depend on Social Security to cover all of that, especially over time. Because typically, if you talk to anyone that's drawing Social Security, the the uh, the increases that they give annually or are supposed to give annually don't keep up with inflation for what most people see. And so you're you're having to stretch that even thinner and thinner over time. So those are headwinds number one and two, longevity and low interest rates. So the third one that we wanna we wanna start off with is the stock market valuation. Um, so let's talk about that. Where are we in terms of stock market valuation relative to history? In a three standard deviation range. Um, price earnings ratios usually have a low range of eight to 10, high range of 18 to 20. We're at 32, 32 <laughs> times earnings. So really high is where, is what you're saying. Yeah. Where it's, it's the, the second highest or the highest that it's ever been valued right now. The highest superlative intended. So the highest market, and what that means is there's a, there's a terminology called sequence of returns. So let's say, um, Clayton, that you retired January 1 of 2000. Sure. That's a bad time to retire. Yes, because the stock market was flat for what, 13, 14 years? 14 years. Jeez. Your life is going to be different from the person who retired March of 2003. That was after the markets took a 50% drop on the S&P, 72% drop on the NASDAQ. Person A, you, 
uh, retiring January 1 of 2000 versus person B, someone else retiring March of 2003, indicates a sequence of returns based on when you started your retirement. Right. Whoever retires now is retiring at a rough time because of the high market valuation. Um, so you have longevity, you have to have your money last longer, you have interest rates at a record all-time low, and you have the stock market valued higher than it's ever been ever before. So those are strike one, two, and three for a lot of retirees. But we have solutions on how to overcome all of this. We don't wanna be, um, bearers of bad news with no solutions. No, there's ways that people can retire comfortably. And in fact, in the planning that we do, we have all our clients live to age 100. Some might live much longer than that, but we are very conservative as fiduciaries in the planning that we do, and we're math-based. So should we dive into solutions to these three heads? Oh, there's one more point with low interest rates that we should cover. And it's something that um, it's called interest rate risk. Interest rate risk is the risk that you lose principal on your bond funds as interest rates go higher. So for example, in, oh gosh, I'm going off memory, but in 1994, the 10 year treasury went from six to 8% in one year. Right. According to Morningstar, the average bond fund lost 20%, 20 percent to zero. Sure. In 1999, the 10-year treasury went from four to six percent. You know these numbers too. Yeah. According to Morningstar, the average bond fund was down about 15 percent. Right. If we go from where we are with the 10-year treasury at 0.7, and it goes to where it was just a year ago, which is twice that, 1.5. Right. That's a hit to principle of well over 30% on what banks and brokers are telling you in your pie chart, asset allocation portfolio. Oh yes, Mr. and Mrs. Retiree, put your safe money in bond funds. Well, two major problems with bond funds right now today. One major problem is they're not earning hardly anything. And number two, when interest rates do go up and they eventually will, you will lose double digits on what you were told was your safe money. That's called interest rate risk. Right. So we want to warn people that there are options to their bond funds and that bond funds are probably one of the worst investments for a retiree available today, periods. Again, superlative intended. Sure. Yeah, well, and if somebody's saying, hey, you, you put your money in this bond fund because it's paying five or six or seven percent, you might as well be putting it in the stock market because it's going to be potentially just as risky as a lot of stock market investments that you could buy. Wait, if you if you have five or six percent on your bond fund, you know what kind of bond fund that is, right? Because with the 10 year treasury at one and you're getting five or six, that means that the risk that you're taking is five and six times what the risk-free rate is, right, which is the treasury rate. Right. And so in, in talking about this, the, the reason we talk about this is because we see a lot of people come in that we meet with and they were set up for retirement planning with kind of the typical and the standard approach, which is 
as we refer to it, the pie chart approach. And this is probably going to sound familiar to a lot of listeners because what it's going to look like is you're going to have your statements there and you're going to see where all your holdings are, all your different positions and investments and what your account types are and all your statements. And then you're going to have somebody tell you, oh, well, if you have, I mean, if you've got a CD, you're going to get X number of dollars per year. If you've got an annuity, you're going to get whatever percent per year. If you annuity, and this is where it kills me, if you turn on this rider, you can get this many dollars per year for the rest of your life. Um, and that's why I hate riders because there's, a well, if you have a rider, if you have an annuity, please give us a call so we can help you understand it a little Wait, bit more. Wait, let's, let's, we weren't <laughs> planning on going into this, but let's do, let's talk about riders for a couple minutes, but keep your train of thought, keep okay. going on your train of thought. But I want to go back to riders because I just before this radio show, a client called in and asked me this question. So right. I've got, I've got the numbers in my head. So, so this is, that's kind of the, the typical approach for a lot of, for a lot of advisors is to just say, okay, well, your 401k, and this was even something that was required, I think the beginning of last year, that a 401k, if you log in, now it's going to show you how many dollars you can take out every year um, if you were to essentially annuitize your, your 401k. Um, and in what I'm trying to get at is it's all very vague because you're going to know, okay, social security is this number. My 401k can potentially give me this number. And then my other investments, well, if I just take three or four or 5% out of that every year, that's roughly this number. But that doesn't add up. That doesn't, I mean, there's no real guidance with that. And that's what a lot of advisors are doing to their, their clients is they're saying, Hey, you figure it out. I'll invest your money, but you go figure out how much income you can draw out of it at the end of the day. And that's the thing that, that's why we're going to talk about distribution planning and how it offsets that and gives a way for someone to say, okay, I know I've got um, investments A, B, and C, and I've got holdings X, Y, and Z, but I can put them into this plan and I can see, all right, down to the dollar on a monthly basis, how much I can draw. So let's have you take over, Brian, and, and explain a little bit more about, do you want to talk about the annuities right now? Um, I want to cover um, that the pie chart is a totally, it's modern portfolio theory, it's asset allocation, investing, and the pie chart. Those are three ways to say the same thing. Sure. It's totally fine in your 20s, 30s, and 40s. We've talked about that. When the markets go down, it doesn't impact you because you're every two weeks you're putting money in your 401k. You're buy and hold. Your money is coming from the uh, your paycheck. But when you take that last paycheck you're ever going to take, you can't do that anymore. That will hurt you. the The asset allocation pie chart investing modern portfolio theory is an accumulation strategy to get your funds up to a certain level. Once they're up to a certain level where we're, you're within five years of retirement, you're at a point where you should switch, in our opinion, as fiduciaries with a math-based to a math-based approach where instead of having a 60-40 bond fund uh, stock blend, uh, that you have a distribution plan approach, which we're going to talk about in a second. Um, but I want to get back to the income rider because these numbers are fresh in my head. This is something we want to warn people, all our listeners, to stay away from. Um, 
because according to the just the pure math, let's say that you're 65 years old and insurance companies dangle in front of you uh, a carrot called a 6% guaranteed rate during this accumulation period. So let's say, Clayton, that are you, are you uh, intrigued at a 6% guaranteed rate? I mean, that's if the 10 year treasury is at zero or one, or no, 0.7. Right. 6% I, sounds really good, doesn't it? Yes, it sounds. And I'm, I'm saying this with a big smile on my face because I, I've seen this so many times from people that come in that they're say, they say, hey, my advisor, my advisor, the insurance company, they guaranteed me this 6%, 6% or 7 or 8% annually. And this is, this is amazing. Okay. We're going to talk this through and, and listeners, you're uh, warned to grab a piece of paper and a pencil to write these numbers down. Here is how the typical carrot and stick, the, the, the bait and switch, I can't use harsh enough language against income riders or life annuities. Here's how it works. The carrot, the incentive is that guaranteed 6% rate during your quote accumulation years. So let's say you're 65 years old, you fund a lifetime annuity for 10 years at 6%. I already have the numbers in my head. 100,000 grows to 180,000 during that period, 180,000. So now you're 75 years old and you want your lifetime income to start. Well, still, let's assume that interest rates are still low uh, and the 10-year treasury is at 0.7. A 4% return on your money sounds really good, right? This is very deceptive. Right. (laughs) We're going to give you 4%, Clayton, for the rest of your life. What that is, is 4% of 180,000. That is $7,200 a year. And let's say that you live to age 90. Guess how much money that grows? You get 108,000 back on your original $100,000 investment. And that $100,000 investment was made at age 65. You died at 90, 25 years later, and you made $8,000. Is that a good deal? Uh, no. <laughs> and by the way, that 108000 you really didn't make. That's gross because they charge you 1% per year fee on this lifetime annuity. Right. So we, it's, it's, it's essentially you're kissing your money goodbye when you sign up for these these income riders in the or these lifetime annuities or these guaranteed rates, it's it's just saying goodbye to your your money and we, and settling for a savings account rate. Yes, you, we want to warn you that we've we've taken out a calculator. Our HP twelve Cs are all loaded and ready to go at Decker Retirement because we're all math based, and we will take um, and we've done this hundreds of times. It works out to where the rate of return typically on a lifetime annuity is about 1.2%. I mean, that's how exact it is. Right, which I guess, yeah, it's yeah, it's about that. 1.2%. Uh, the, the worst story I've ever heard was a doctor in Kirkland, Washington, my client. He came in and it was in our second meeting and he showed me he had a guaranteed annuity. This is, gosh, this is six years ago. This is something he had been sold by someone else, right? Yeah, not us. He brought it in. He said, check this out. And I said, let's get him on the phone. 
um, because I knew that he wouldn't believe me and he had to hear it from the insurance company. Sure. Well, it wasn't a 6% guaranteed rate because it was six years ago. This was 8%. Right. And he said he put $300,000 in it. Guaranteed 8%. He was already in his 70s. Uh, and his 10-year accumulation period was done and he was ready to pull the trigger and, and take a lifetime of income. And he was all smiles. And we were having a great conversation until I asked this question. What's the cap on, what's the payback? And they said, um, we're gonna pay back Dr. So-and-so X amount per year. And I said, is there a cap on that? And they said, yes, it's 300,000. And Time just stopped and the veins in his neck started to pulse and I just felt bad. I won't say what he said, but that should have been fully disclosed up front. And I will tell you that it's never, never disclosed. No insurance agent tells you the bad part of that life annuity or income rider which is your total net of fee return and it's horrible every time so he he long story short he puts the money he puts 300,000 in he's promised 8% returns he can only ever get 300,000 out of his policy max max so he's a doctor i assume he's probably healthy so let's say he lives to be 105 well guess what he ran out of money years before then Tragically, he has Alzheimer's today. His wife, um, bless her heart, is doing the best she can. He won't see 90. Sure. And so he won't get his 300,000 back. The thing with these, when I hear these stories about people that come in, because I met with somebody that they had, I think they had 10 or 11 annuities with various add-ons and additions that they had been given. (coughs) And it's, they are, they are quite complex and a lot of times they're just not explained as as thoroughly as they need to be. So for anyone that's listening, if you have an annuity, if you have um, a bunch of statements and no understanding of how those statements work, please give us a call. Our number is 833-707-3030. We want to make sure you can, we want to help you make sense of your financial situation and help you actually build a plan that can work for you in retirement. Um And so we're going to talk a little bit about over the next little bit, we're going to talk about what a distribution plan should look like. Right. Um, Solutions. So it's the solution to the retirement problems that that folks are facing today that we've talked about, the headwinds, the common strategies that we don't see working for retirees. So again, if you want to talk to us a little bit more, um, 833-707-3030 is the best number to get a hold of us. So Brian, let's now talk about one more thing, one more thing before we talk about solutions. And that is the most widely, widely heralded distribution plan for banks and brokers. It's the 4% rule. We got to cover that. Yeah. So the 4% rule is this, it's common strategy and it might be three, it might be five. I'm not saying it has to be 4% and and if it's not. But before you cover this, I just want to say, in my opinion, it's the most toxic, destructive financial strategy out there. And it's ruined and hurt more retirees in this country, the United States, than any other financial strategy out there. How's that for teeing it up for you? Yeah. Thank you. And I'm just going to spend 30 seconds on this because we are almost out of time. Um, but the 4% rule essentially just says you take all of your assets and you 
you take all your assets and then you say, okay, I've got, uh, let's say I've got a 500,000 or I've got a million or I've got 2 million. Well, if I just take 4% of that number, let's say it's a million dollars, take 4% of that number out of your account every year that you'll be fine because historically the stock market has averaged around eight and a half percent and the bond market has averaged around bonds have averaged about four and a, so the stock market over the last what 100 or so years has averaged about eight, eight and, and a half, half percent, percent. And, and bonds in the last 40 years have averaged four and a half but the problem is averages go out the window now that we're sub one percent on the 10-year treasury right. doesn't matter what the average was <laughs> right and so that being the that being the case the the theory behind this this rule this supposed rule is to take four percent out of your assets every year, and you can do that for the rest of your life. And wherever you're invested, it'll be fine because you it'll work out. Well, when the markets are it, it works out until it doesn't, right? Because the when the markets are down like they were in 2001 and 02, and again in 08, we had these various flashes happen. I mean, 2020 we saw the fastest 30 percent decline. Um, and so they, they can happen very quickly. And if you're drawing money out at the bottom of that, if you have a million dollars and you need 4% or $40,000 to live off, but if your account takes a 30% hit and you then take $40,000 to live off, that's, a, that's more than 4% of your account total that you're taking out. And you're digging yourself an even deeper hole and you're not going to be able to climb out of that eventually. Right. And this is sequence of returns risk again on the distribution side. So not on the retirement side, on the distribution side. So in January 1 of 2000, you lost 50% on the equity side of your portfolio over the, over the next three years, and you took 4% on top of that. So you're down 62%, and when the markets come back, you don't get all that uh, because you're drawing 4% a year. And then when you hit 08 again, and you're drawing 4%. That's why in 2009, by the millions, gray-haired people had to go to banks, fast food, Walmart. They had to sell their home, move in with the kids. They had to go to plan B because the distribution strategy that they were told by their financial professional destroyed their retirement. I can't emphasize enough to stay away from the 4% rule. Now, the number one fear of all retirees has been and still is running out of money before you die because they've seen time and time again um, that when interest rates are this low and they're living longer than ever before and the market is valued higher than ever before, Americans are smart, they get it. How are they gonna do this? Now, we only have... After we've talked this whole radio show for an hour, what, we have really five minutes for solutions. Okay, so we'll start the next week's show on this, but we'll give a best efforts. Yeah, in, in well, and, and this just shows the problems that people are facing with kind of the, there's there's so many ins and outs. So we are going to, let's talk about distribution planning and, and, and describe what it is. Um, and again, if you want to learn more about it, 833-707-3030. Give us a call. Again, that number, 833-707-3030. I love how distribution planning is the answer to the two biggest questions that retirees can ask. Number one, can I retire? Now, some people are already retired. That's moot. But number one question, can we retire? And the second one is is huge. And that is how much money can I draw from my portfolio 
for the rest of my life so that I don't run out? Those are the two biggest questions. Banks and brokers will use the 4% distribution rule, which by the way, the guy who invented it, William Bangan, he's discredited it 10 years ago. Do you remember that? Yeah. So today, even today, banks and brokers are using a discredited strategy as your distribution um, rule for retirement. I just, I can't say enough bad things about that. Okay, so what we do in answer to the two questions, number one, can I retire? Number two, how much money can I draw? Gosh, we've got three minutes, is that right? Yeah. Okay, imagine, radio listeners, imagine a spreadsheet where we have John and Jane, uh, they're married, they're 65 years old, um, and we have them live to age 100. On the spreadsheet is their social security, any pension income that they have, any rental real estate income that they have, and um, then their portfolio. Their portfolio income is added as well. So if you can imagine on a spreadsheet, we add their portfolio income plus any other income they have, pension, social security, we total it up minus taxes. That gives annual and monthly income with usually a COLA, cost of living adjustment, to age 100. So that's the left, the middle to the left side of the spreadsheet, which we call a distribution plan because we're math-based, shows their sources of income for the rest of their life. Now on the right side... Real, real quick on this, if, if anyone is at their computers listening to this, on our website at DeckerRetirementPlanning.com, we actually have a sample that you can download and view. Again, oh, good that's point. DeckerRetirementPlanning.com. So sorry to jump in, Carrie. That's all right. Where, where will they find that on the website? It's on DeckerRetirementPlanning.com and it is in our educational materials. So you're going to see some downloadable um, items that you can, some, I guess, books and other useful guides is, is going to be the tab that it's going to be under. Okay, good. So once you, once you have that, the left, the middle to the left side is all of their income sources, which by the way, makes it very easy to have tax minimization strategy discussions on your income because we know and we want to optimize each part of your income. Social Security, we have an optimization report that we run for clients so that um, we can optimize their Social Security. Pension, that's a whole nother thing that I can't wait to get into and talk about next week. Should they take a, a lump sum or have a lifetime income paid out? There's math behind that too. Well, so as we, real quick, as we talk about income streams, our goal here is helping people optimize these income streams. And we say optimize each part. each part. So that's your social security, your pension, your other income streams, rental income streams, all of that. But optimize it so we want to help you maximize the income you can draw, but also make sure it all fits together. And that's why we say optimize it all. Now, in the in the one and a half minutes that we have left, I'll just talk about principle number one when it comes from portfolio income. I'll just cover that. So we'll we'll just jot a note to where we are and we'll dive into this next week. Principle number one is you never draw income from a fluctuating account. If you do that, you have sequence of return risk and you will 
Um, eventually you will compromise gains when markets go up and you will accentuate losses when markets go down and you will eventually destroy your retirement if you are drawing income from fluctuating accounts. Principle number one, a DECA retirement for all our planners is that we always draw income from laddered principal guaranteed accounts. So when the markets take a huge hit, our clients don't feel it on the income side. Right. So you want to close this up? Yeah. So if for anyone that wants to learn more about this, again, our number is 833-707-3030. We are happy to accommodate virtual appointments. Um, we've got offices in a few different states, um, but here in Utah, we've got one in Salt Lake, one in Lehigh. Um, and again, the number is 833-707-3030. Um, it's a lot of fun to do the show where we can help retirees understand more about their own retirement plan. We can educate them as much as possible. We've got some great resources we're happy to share with you for free. Again, our number is 833-707-3030. We look forward to hearing from you. If there's anything you want to hear us talk about on the show, again, please give us a call. Let us know. We can answer whatever questions you might have re uh, regarding retirement planning. Um, but again, number is 833-707-3030. Investing involves risk, including the potential loss of principal. Any references to protection, safety, or lifetime income generally refer to fixed insurance products, never securities or investments. Insurance guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims paying abilities of the issuing carrier. This radio show is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be used as the sole basis for financial decisions, nor should it be construed as advice designed to meet the particular needs of an individual's situation. DECA Retirement Planning is not permitted to offer, and no statement made during this show shall constitute tax or legal advice. Our firm is not affiliated with or endorsed by the U.S. government or any governmental agency. The information and opinions contained herein provided by third parties have been obtained from sources believed to be reliable, but accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed by DECA Retirement Planning.